Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Jesus, what's up, guys? John Anik Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. We have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, Ken Flo, what's going on in the world, my man? I mean, I'm hoping this is going to be therapeutic today. You know, it's good to see you uh, and see you smiling a little bit. It's Monday, March 16th, 2020. Episode 241 of the Anakin Florian podcast, likely an episode we will not soon forget. As this global pandemic continues, the coronavirus obviously on the hearts and minds of everyone as we all try to make the right decision and do what is right for our families to the best of our abilities with all of these different work variables and things that people are dealing with and children under the age of 10, which you have one. It's crazy, man. I mean, we've been texting back and forth, spoke a little bit off the air. Just uh, crazy that we were sitting here last Monday so impassioned talking about fights that now seem just so insignificant, you know. Uh, it's interesting, man. It reminds me of uh, the Jurassic Park line where uh, life uh, uh, finds a way. And, and it could happen in yep. a negative way and it could happen in a positive way. And I think um, hopefully this is one of those situations where it gets people to think outside of themselves and uh, just to be safer. And, you know, this is one of those invisible enemies um, that really could take out a lot of people. And people tend to think, well, you know, I'm young. I'm healthy. It doesn't affect me. I'm fine, right? Well, again, you're the person who can carry that to someone who might not be able to deal with it. If someone, you know, is dealing with a a big time surgery or if someone's dealing with, you know, recovering from cancer or going through cancer treatments or has, you know, some kind of immune system disease or, you know, um, if you're older person, you know, our parents, our grandparents, all these people are susceptible uh, and we can be the carriers of that thing. So it is very scary. It is very dangerous. People should take this seriously. You know, we had to shut down our gym, uh, both in Boston, Florian Martial Arts Center and Meraki Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu here in LA. And, uh, you know, we were one of the first gyms to do that because, you know, while it is very uh, possible that this could 
really put us under, to be honest. Um, th this could destroy our business completely. It's just not safe. And, um, you know, if, if someone's going to get this kind of thing, it's going to be from doing something where you're in an intimate practice like martial right. arts or whatever. So uh, it, it's it's a little bit stressful right now, but um, I'm trying to stay as calm as, uh, calm as yeah. possible and, and, and deal with this. A lot of people are in some tough times right now. Yeah, may Rocky BJJ close for at least a week. And for the Florian Martial Arts Center there in Brookline, Massachusetts, every single restaurant and bar, with the exception of takeout, has been closed in the state of Massachusetts until April 17th as we sit here on Monday, March 16th. So Los Angeles just, just put a uh, kibosh on everything as well. No gyms. You can't use the gym anyway now as yeah. of last night. Okay. Restaurants, bars, uh, not supposed to anyway. You can only take out food now, and I supposedly you have to meet them on the sidewalk. You can't even go into right. the restaurant. It's pretty wild, dude. So we promise the bulk of this hour will be spent talking about mixed martial arts and the coronavirus from a fighting perspective because obviously the UFC uh, still intends to proceed with its live events. You know, I can sit here and tell you on Monday, uh, if we do a show this Saturday night, I'm probably working it. You know, I got the call. I wasn't supposed to be working the show, obviously, but it has been moved from London, England to the United States. I'm hoping I don't have to go to a major metropolitan airport. I'm hoping that I can drive to the show, and obviously I've taken every necessary necessary precaution to try to you know, keep myself and my family safe. Uh, so there are a lot of different layers we're going to get into as far as the UFC's decision to continue on. But for a business like yours, uh, and for I, I have extremely close relatives of mine that are either bartenders uh, who rely on tips and money or small business owners who are doing hundreds of transactions a day and are open either because they provide a service to poor people or because their employees want to work and need the money. There are so many angles and layers to this crisis and i think if you're not dealing with it in your immediate family you know somebody at least who is dealing with it having impassioned conversations begging people in my immediate family to make different decisions uh so we're going to try to talk a lot about fighting but it's hard not to keep coming back to the reality that we're all sitting in here uh on a on a on a crazy monday you know yeah, absolutely, man. And and again, you know, um, in, in relation to the fight game, I'm sure we'll get into that. You know, obviously, there's been a lot of controversy over that. You know, should the UFC be doing these things? You know, um, you know, it, a lot of sports organizations, a lot of big organizations with billions of dollars behind them have shut things down. Um, I'm interested to see how this develops. All right. Well, I spoke with Ray Longo uh, off the air this morning because obviously this uh, is affecting every individual on any number of different levels. Let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, we are happy to report that Ray Longo, just north of 60... I believe feels better than he did when he was just north of 40. Uh, but Longo Weidman mixed martial arts essentially is closed indefinitely. I know there are some pro fighters out there that maybe are going to get in there. I mean, there's a tricky situation, right, Longo? I mean, you got a fighter who's scheduled to compete in 12 days. Am I not mistaken? Yeah, no, we have uh, Mizuki, Mizuki fighting Tisha Torres, which is a phenomenal fight. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I'm not sure that fight's going to happen. Nobody's got travel arrangements yet. Nobody right. knows where the fight's going to be. And I think as, the, as these events are you know, occurring day by day and hour by hour, they could just shut everything down. I mean, it gets worse every day. It's not getting better. 
Yeah, I think a lot of Americans are sort of hopeful that by the middle of the week there will be some sort of government intervention uh, in terms of a shutdown, not just financial aid, but making decisions for small business owners. You know, for fathers like me and like Kenny, last week we were trying to make the right decision as to whether or not to send our children to school. Now that decision obviously has been taken out of our hands and my daughters might not finish first and third grade respectively. My wife is literally downstairs homeschooling my daughters, expectant that she's going to be doing that for the next two or three months. I it's just crazy that we were just sitting here a week ago and probably ignorant in a lot of respects in terms of our response or lack thereof. Well, I'll tell you, listen, power to your wife, too, and it's, it's always great to talk to responsible people because there's a lot of irresponsible people out there, and that's, that's the worry to, I think, everybody. Uh, you know, last night I had Frivola scheduled to spar, and, you know, we shut down the gym last week, but I wanted to keep the fighters going, but... As this thing goes on, it was like, you know, I, I, I love Frivola's father. And my conversation to cancel this boring last night was, look, I, I feel good. I don't feel bad. I think you'll I, be good. But God forbid you come down, you pass it on to your old man, he gets sick, something happens. That's where the problem is, you know what I mean? I spoke to uh, another fighter who's got friends and family in uh, Italy, and he said they're picking and choosing who's dying. Right, you know, and there's it's a it's a disaster. So I think, you know, we're trying to prevent another Italy from happening at this point. Right. No, and I think that's where the focus needs to be. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that noise. I just want to share a quick quote here from uh, NC State graduate. His name is Al Eric Freeman. I hope I'm getting that right, but he's the only American basketball player that stayed in China. The story's on ESPN.com and basically his visa was taken a while and then he just decided to stay in China and Here's a quote from him. You know, it seems there's panic in America, not here. People stayed home and just didn't interact with each other. Now life is back to normal from what it seems. People are walking around. The streets are flooded. You know, people are still wearing masks, getting their temperature checked. He gets his temperature checked every day, sometimes twice a day. They're checking his temperature at a hotel, restaurants, grocery stores, security check, entering the gym. So, you know, the Korean Basketball League is supposed to do games later in March. It seems like in Asia, they're starting to come out the other side, but at least it's seems to me when I strategically go out to the grocery store once every fourth day that most Americans or at least a lot of Americans aren't really heeding this advice flow that's coming down to to isolate and, and socially distance themselves. Yeah, well, I, I think it's a, a big part of it is either a lack of information or a lack of the good information. Uh, the other thing is this is kind of now being highly politicized by both sides where, yep. you know, you, you got the Democrats that are they're blaming Trump and all this stuff and, you know, and and maybe some some fair ways but also maybe some unfair ways and then you got the, the other side saying well this isn't a big deal we don't have to wor worry about this this is just like a common cold or a regular flu so you know people are just taking the the, the their takes are, are get are basically so skewed that this could really become worse than a pandemic this could really kind of uh it, it's supposed to be something that actually doubles every single day so i think they said at the point that italy was at uh, where we're at right now, uh, we're in the thousands, and Italy was only in like, they had like 20 cases or something like that. So being at the same place where we're at right now, I would actually take more fear over anything else because that's what's hopefully going to keep people indoors and not, pe not get people to go out there and interact. So 
Just go out there, read information about this, get the right information, and understand that a lot of this, it isn't because we think that, you know, you can die from this. Yeah, you know, a small percentage, relatively speaking, uh, are, are susceptible to this uh, as far as death. But what they're trying to contain is the thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that could be going to the hospitals, taking up these respirators, taking up these hospital beds, and there being literally a line outside the hospital of people trying to get in. And, and that's what I think is, is the big fear right now is just really containment. Yeah, well, that's what's happening. That's what's happening in Italy, Kenny. There's people mm. dying in the corridors of the hospitals. Right. It's crazy. You know, so That's I mean, so the thing just came out now that uh, old gyms and businesses, bars, everything has to be closed by eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. I, I feel so badly for so many segments of our population, uh, realtors, right? We could spend 10 minutes just talking about the challenges for realtors. Are they supposed to stop showing property when clients are reaching out to them? People who planned on moving and buying a house, you know, forget weddings and bar mitzvahs and all those things that, that have been canceled. Um, but small business owners, as we mentioned, and that brings us to professional fighters. And we could talk about the managers and promoters, but if you're a professional fighter, and these are quotes from Francis Ngannou. You know, I've been training for like two months. Let's say they cancel the fight. When is it going to be rescheduled? You know, he's very happy that his fight in 12 days appears to be on right now. And it seems to me, Ray, that the overwhelming majority of fighters uh, are going all in trying to compete this weekend. And I think it's a sad reality in a lot of respects. Um, but the fighters need to fight. They're trying to peak for a date, not unlike Olympians. And... Obviously, they don't realize a paycheck if they don't compete. I just feel really bad for this roster right now as they try to navigate what's the right decision for the masses and what's the right decision for their small family. Yeah, well, you know, like again, it's it's a it's a trickle down effect. It's not just the fighters; it's the corners that's got to get there. There's yeah. a lot of people that are going to have to go to the airport that they don't want to do, and uh, you know, at this point, I probably won't be going to the fight if it happens in 12 days. And I'll probably, you know, I'll grab a couple of younger guys in the gym right. and uh, have them go corner. But that, that, that's the way it looks right now. If the fight happens, and I don't, I, I really don't think the fights are going to happen. I, that's my personal opinion. I, it's going to be tough to find a place that's not going to come under huge criticism for, for doing anything. Right, right. I know Francis Ngannou did go on to say, Ken Flo, that uh, he talked to UFC Chief Business Officer Hunter Campbell, and they have everything in place, taking all the requisite precautions. They have a medical team set up for them, so if, if a fighter gets sick, it appears they won't have to go to a random hospital. So all of that is great. Yeah. It seems like they're doing what they can to take care of the athletes who hopefully will be tested uh, for coronavirus. I would think for me, Kenny, if I'm sitting there at the broadcast table, um, I would need to get tested to be spewing you know, commentary <laughs> in the direction of the competing athletes. Well, he, I do that. Right? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What's so, what's so dangerous about this is that you could display some symptoms, all the symptoms, or none of the symptoms, and, and that's the problem. And they could test you, and you could be fine right now. I mean, it, it's a really tricky thing. What concerns me most, and now maybe this isn't such a case for Francis Ngannou. I, I don't know if he cuts a lot of weight to get down to 265 pounds. I think sometimes he does cut a little bit of weight, but. For, for guys that are oh. doing these drastic weight cuts, your immune system's going to be low. 
those guys are at risk. Those are the kind of guys that are at risk. So how many how many of these fights do we potentially do until we learn a hard lesson? That That's the only thing is that I feel like this is a very risky play uh, by the UFC here. And I get it. There, there's a lot of uh, people that need their paychecks and all that stuff. But this is something that is happening across the board. And um, I, I don't know. And, and as, as a fighter, I get it, too. You work your ass off. You want to be able to compete. And, uh, but... I don't know. I, I don't know what the solution is, to be honest, either, because um, this is a very tricky situation. But I, I do feel like, you know, right now that the break should be put on here and, and we should just wait to see what happens. Even just waiting a couple months. Yeah, it's going to push things back. But um, why, why take these risks? It's just not worth it. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent, Kenny. And the weight cutting thing is is dead on. I've seen like even coming back from a lot of fights. Guys just get sick on the airplane because they're coming yeah. back. Their immune systems are weakened. No, this is that's happened a million times. You know what I mean? Yep. So you're a hundred percent right. And like again, I don't. I think this is a time where I'd rather err on the side of safety. You know what I mean? Just be a little cautious and then take it easy for a while. You know because it's a little trickier. You know you still got to get to a gym and train, and they're making that harder now. You right. know so. I think the fighters are going to be compromised. Yeah. Oh, any number of different ways we could go with this. We did solicit questions and comments from our Anik Florian podcast audience on social media at Anik Florian pod. This one hashtag ask Raymond from Cody underscore Merrow question for ask Raymond, but for the whole panel, let's say we are a self commissioning body at sea. You can implement one change to the sport, judging, officiating, weight cutting, etc. What change do you test out? He says his would be five judges isolated away from the action. So Ray, if there is an event this weekend, it in all likelihood wouldn't be under the control of an athletic commission. It would be on a tribal land as was reported by Ariel Helwani and others. Um, I guess for me, it would be open scoring. I think I've heard people like John McCarthy say there are only eight to ten elite judges in the world. So even though I love the idea of five isolated judges, if there aren't enough smart minds doing it, uh, I don't know that that solves the problem that a lot of us thought it would. Uh, Ray, I guess if you were the commissioner, I mean, is there anything that you change for the the live event this weekend if it goes down? Uh, I don't know. I haven't even thought about that. But uh, uh, I'd probably do something more with the weight cutting. Some people didn't have to kill themselves, try to come up with some more weight classes. I think that's what I would add. You know, instead of having it every 15 pounds, have it every five pounds. And and maybe that would help out a little bit. I don't know. But yeah. I'd probably look at the weight cutting and the weight divisions as uh, doing something different. Yeah, Kenny, it's a hard thing to think about, obviously, right yeah. now. Um, because I think for all of us, if we're talking about the live event this weekend, we'd like to just see nobody cut weight and have a bunch of catch weight fights. Yes. Uh, you know? Yeah, yeah uh, why not? Yeah. That would be a great idea. Absolutely. I I think, you know, but, you know, you go back, you know, aside from everything that's going on, you know, just in your regular non-coronavirus world, I think the thing we talk about most is is the judging, right? I mean, someone screwed this up or the decision should have gone this way or whatever. Yeah, I I think that maybe we can become a little bit more specific with the rules, uh, but I, I like the idea of probably having more judges uh, you know, in the fold so we can kind of get a better average of numbers throughout those rounds so we can get, you know, hopefully a, a more accurate winner. 
Hey, Ray, obviously we had a main event between Kevin Lee and Charles Oliveira, and we do want to spend more time on Charles than Kevin Lee, but there is a lot to unpack with the Motown phenom who missed weight at 158 and a half pounds. And pardon that if you would like to, uh, given the circumstances going on. You're never getting a weight miss pardon from Ken Flo, but Jorge Gamebred Masvidal took great issue with what happened at the end of the fight. Kevin Lee tapped out for any human being with a pulse to see and then decided to fight on. So here was the tweet from Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. First bitch move, miss weight. Second bitch move, tap and try to continue. Disrespectful to the sport, and that's the lowest thing you can do. You should be cut for this bitch move. Tap and try to continue. One of the lowest things you can do, ho-ass bitch. And if anybody can throw that opinion out there, it's Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. I know I sound like a complete fucking asshole trying to say ho-ass bitch, right? (laughs) I loved it. That was great. But the last time Masvidal was finished guys was the inverted triangle choke toby imata in 2009 when he was purple in the face and completely unconscious so kenny if anybody can get on the podium and take issue with kevin lee it is certainly jorge masvidal ray uh forgettable saturday night for more reasons than one for uh for kevin lee what did you think yeah look i i, I understand where masvidal is coming from because it's it's a complete I guess dichotomy is the word. Gamebred is a real dude. You know, he, he shoots from the hip. And the other guy is just cognitive dissonance at its fullest. I mean, he just doesn't get it, this guy. I don't, I've been saying this for years about him. You know, he thinks he beat Al. I mean, he he's everything in his head doesn't match up with reality. You know what I mean? Even listening to him talk after this was, was gut wrenching to me, and and Gamebred's right, man. I mean, you can't. Here's here's the problem, guys. You can't talk shit and then not come close to backing it up. You're going to catch heat for it. All the guys that didn't want to fight him and all, it's all craziness. You know what I mean? And now you miss weight again. You tap out, then you you look at the the, the ref like, yeah, what what are you doing? I mean, this is this. That's who he is. That octagon reveals who you are and that is about as close to who he is as possible uh ray ray couldn't be more spot on there john if i could hop in there i I think he's extremely accurate and i think kevin lee's big problem um is exactly what ray said is he he doesn't look at what's what the reality is of the situation you know here's a guy who says he sees uh weaknesses in habib's game and you know thinks he beat ally aquinta and all this like man look at your own game look at what you need to work on the fight game yeah it's brutal and it will embarrass the shit out of you i was embarrassed in the ultimate fighter finale i was embarrassed by bj penn i was all these things these happen but you know what at the end of the day you got look at yourself and go what the hell am i doing wrong here and you got to go and fix it don't start pointing your finger at this guy or that guy at the end of the day unfortunately for kevin lee and listen i like him i've had conversations with kevin lee he's a nice guy but you gotta look at your own mistakes and be real with yourself he lost to a 145 pounder okay and charles Oliveira. um he didn't even make the weight he looked like he was getting beat everywhere. This is a jiu-jitsu guy. Look at Charles Oliveira when he came into the game and the losses that he's experienced and how good he looks now. This is a guy who has looked to fix his mistakes and he's come back better because of it. Kevin Lee has just made excuses, and this is why he's in the position he's in today. Uh, it, it's unfortunate, no. but this game is brutal. And, and, and But you got to be brutal with yourself as well.
No, no question about it. And he thinks he was winning the fight. Right. That's the, he I know, he was crazy. Good. He, was, he, he was getting pummeled standing up. He lost every aspect of that fight. I mean, he was in he was in maybe 15 submissions around, it seemed. I mean, he was always getting yeah, yeah. caught. He was throwing Not himself into submissions. He was getting beat up on the feet. I mean, I don't know. I, there, there was no aspect that he actually won that fight. So it, that's and a you tough know one. You know, what's, you know what's crazy, Kenny? You know he's a t- he's an athlete. You know he, right. he's got attributes. But that one attribute sitting in his brain is just wrecking that whole thing. Yeah. All right, my man. Well, uh, we hope you uh, stay safe and uh, isolate yourself as best you can. And I guess we won't see you on March 28th, wherever that UFC show ends up going down. Perhaps it won't go down, but uh, appreciate your time and and your candor as always, my man. You got anything else before we let you fly? I think that's – I hope things change uh, within the next two weeks, but I don't see them changing. So I'll try to keep everybody training and – the best I can and hope, hopefully stay safe at the same time, but puts everybody in a weird position though. No doubt about it. Thankfully, Longo's got some masks, so uh, share those with <laughs> Weidman and Aljo. I got, let me tell you something. I have masks and a good set of lungs, baby. I'll tell you, I'm ready to go. I'm telling you. All right, buddy, You and the we'll family get... stay safe, Ray. Yeah, you and all you guys too, man, because I don't believe it's a joke and I think we should take it serious, so stay safe, guys. All right, there he is, Ray Longo, every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So, Brasilia show happens, Ken Flo, the only real live sporting event. There's some Mexican soccer leagues and other leagues that are still going strong, uh, for lack of a better adjective, I guess. But no crowd in Brazil at 1.9 straight decisions, you know. It's just crazy uh, watching that show as a fan. Uh, but Charles Oliveira really has impressed me over the course of the seven-fight winning streak. Uh, a tweet here from B.E. Smith, B.E. Smithson. Uh, Olivera's always impressed me in spurts, but in the last two years, he's really sanded down some of his rough edges. Now, I don't take exception with you referring to him as a 45er, even though I think he missed weight, I think, three or four times yeah. in the UFC at featherweight. But certainly has come into the frame. He certainly has added some muscle mass. I do believe, even though I'm not the go-to guy when it comes to technical acumen, but I have seen strides in his development as a striker. But I'm just really happy for this kid because now all of a sudden, and maybe it takes a signature win like this in a main event, but look at the body of work. Look at the all-time UFC wins list. No man has finished more UFC opponents by submission or knockout than Charles Oliveira. And now he's in lightweight contention and not dealing with that weight cut that was really, really difficult for him. So just happy for a Brazilian kid who came into the UFC August 1st, 2010, coming up on his 10-year anniversary on this roster. and. At least to my eyes, it's all coming together. Absolutely. Listen, you know, there, there's still things for him to work on, of course. There always is in the martial arts. But um, this is a guy who has really uh, faced his weaknesses and, and really acknowledged those things and has come back stronger each and every fight. So his smart approach, I think, in the gym is really paying off. Also, you got to look at the fighters that he's faced. I think he's faced a lot of fighters that allowed him to build up his skill set and build up his confidence to where it is right now. There, That is often such an ignored aspect of the sport, yeah. both amongst the coaches, the managers, and the fighters. Just taking any fight is stupid. 
Okay, you got to look at where you are, where you're at at the point in your career, where your skills are at, how you match up against that other person, so you can build off of those skills to get better over time. And Charles Oliveira, I think, has done a wonderful job of picking the right opponents to build himself up. Beating Kevin Lee at this point in his career, now he can kind of move up. And this guy's been killing it for a long time. You look, you, you mentioned all those things. He has the most amount of submissions in the UFC, most amount of finishes, all those things. And now he's put himself in a position, right? And this was a long-term plan yeah. to maybe fight for the belt one day at 155 pounds. Right. So it, it's amazing what he's done. Last loss was to Paul Felder by TKO. It was UFC 218, December of 2017. He's been perfect since. Uh, Clay Guida, Christos Yagos, Jim Miller, David Tamer, Nick Lentz, Jared Gordon, Kevin Lee. A couple of those fights against Miller and Lentz rematches, which aren't easy. But, gosh, I mean, you go back to his UFC debut, 41-second armbar of Darren Elkins, August 1, 2010. And then just so many big names, to your point, Lamas's and Cerrone's and Cub Swanson, Frankie Edgar wins over Hatsu Hiyoki. Last decision win against Jeremy Stevens, December 12, 2014, putting everybody away. And, uh, you know, I think a Felder rematch at a main event situation all of a sudden has legs. I did yeah. print the UFC lightweight rankings, Ken Flo, so... You know, Khabib Ferguson tied up, Poirier tied up, McGregor uh, is not going to be the next opponent for Charles Oliveira, nor is fourth-ranked Justin Gaethje. Number five is Dan Hooker. He's tied up. Some people have suggested a rematch with Donald Cerrone, who is number six in the world, and there you got Paul Felder at number seven, Charles Oliveira lurking down at number 14 in the world. Uh, you're right. I mean, he has put himself on that path that he hoped to put himself on, and uh crazy seven straight wins for charles Oliveira. also want to quickly before we bring on ian parker talk about gilbert Dorino burns and there's Ooh. a maya side of this as well uh damian maya beat jorge masvidal like not that long ago uh and now he'd probably be a plus 400 underdog against Gamebred. but uh here is a tweet here from uh roy perez with two z's school roy q big fan do you guys believe that gilbert burns has what it takes to be competing with the welterweight top three right now because i do don't want to read too much into this win, but if you look at the streak, there's plenty to read into. Yeah, I still believe that in terms of Gilbert Burns' championship trajectory, 55 is the division for him, um, but he certainly has put himself on a path to welterweight contention, not unlike Oliveira at 55. Your thoughts on Gilbert Dorino Burns with obviously a big highlight over the weekend? Yeah, you know, I've seen a huge change in Gilbert's um, attitude uh, and in his game as well when he basically, uh, maybe it was about a year and a half ago, maybe two years, where he just decided to just take each and every fight. Whatever fight was available, Gilbert Burns was out there. He was calling uh, fighters out left and right. He was actively seeking fights on short notice. He wanted to stay active. He was, he was a lot more vocal, it seemed, on social media looking for fights. Uh, and this has truly helped him. Now, I don't know if it's both a combination of him just training more, feeling more confident, or maybe this leading to that confidence. But, um, you know, he has looked fantastic that, as of late. I don't know, you know, um, if he is a guy who could beat the top three at this point. I think he's getting there. Uh, but getting a win over a legend like Damian Maya, a guy that I know he he has looked up to for a very long time, a guy who was certainly much larger than him, than him or looked much larger than him in the octagon. I thought, um, uh, you know, I, I thought he looked very impressive. That look, left hook uh, was just tremendous. It was technically sound. It was something that Damian Maya never saw. It seemed like he didn't throw a lot into it, but his structure and everything was perfect. Landed it uh, beautifully, uh, knocking Damian Maya down and uh, his follow-up obviously this guy who was looking to 
take him out right from the get-go. So Gilbert Burns is on fire right now. Uh, he was actively seeking a fight against Tyron Woodley. Um, I'm not sure he's going to get that at this point. But, uh, yeah, I was blown away, man. That's a huge, huge win and a definitely a, a win that's going to change his career moving forward now. Needed style points, and Gilbert Durino Burns certainly got them, and he yeah. has called for a fight with Tyron Woodley this weekend. That appears to be uh, on the back burner, at least as far as T. Wood is concerned. Uh, we're going to bring Ian Parker here into the conversation in a minute. First, this from Manscaped, though. God damn it, the sounds that used to come out of my mouth when I would cut myself shaving. That was before I knew about Manscaped. We thank Manscaped every week here on the show for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. And again, a lot of you guys out there, uh, a lot of time to do manscaping with this coronavirus going on. Um, and you know if you do manscape that it doesn't always go off without a hitch, kind of like a paper cut on your scrotum. Hashtag not fun. Good news, though, men. These manscaping accidents appear to be a thing of the past. Manscaped spent 18 months redesigning the greatest below-the-waist trimmer ever created. The new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 features a brilliant cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent accidents, allows for a much quicker, more efficient trim. A big reason why you're not worried about a metal blade cutting your balls. This is a premium product, folks. LED light for more precise trimming. They've upgraded the motor. Battery lasts up to 90 minutes. Rapid charging dock powered by usb which makes it super easy as well this is a company manscape that has thought of everything and we want you guys to get in the game to make the lawnmower 3.0 a part of your grooming lifestyle to that end get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code af at manscaped.com that is 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code af manscaped.com promo code af for 20 percent off with free shipping all right, so back to the tweets here as we welcome in Ian Parker. This one from at D. Cangeiter, Daniel Cangeiter. Am I the only one who loved the event with no fans? Only thing I had a problem was with the awkward announcement of the fighters' names. Everything else was awesome. Ian, totally weird watching a live event with uh, with that type of backdrop. I, I, I'd be lying if I wasn't thinking at one point as, as a play-by-play guy, this would be the only time I could actually take a piss octagon side. You know, because if you're called an NFL game from a broadcast booth, you can piss in a gallon. But I'm thinking, hey, I have no fans behind me. I could have an empty gallon and take a piss in between rounds. <laughs> Is that so now that we know that's what you do during the prelims of every single card uh, yeah. for ESPN Plus. So now when we <laughs> we hear John going, huh, we know that he's just yeah. zipping up the fly during during the fights. You know what? Um it was kind of nice to not hear those stupid woos and to kind of hear people going, hey, every time a kick was blocked. You know, obviously, I think for the fans at home, it didn't make much of a difference. I can only imagine what it was like for the fighters, though, that were fighting at home. It almost took away that home court advantage type of situation. Uh, it was interesting to see some walkouts. You know, Kevin Lee's corner guy pointing the finger up, walking the whole way until Kevin walked in. You know, I was kind of like, dude, who, you know, you know, no one can see your finger except for us. At what point did that, like... That changed the pointing down. It was a little awkward. Um, yeah. No, you know what? It's it just, listen, if we want the fights to go on, we just got to accept it for what it is. And uh, if that right. means no fans, I guess it's what it is at the moment. So uh, I've showed this on the show before, and I apologize if you're audio only, but this is a travel John. They spelled John the wrong <laughs> way with the H in there. It's a disposable personal urinal bag with Lixorb. Super absorbent pouch. So for men, women, and children, if you're in a pinch, so our director, Anthony Giordano, can flow the great AG. Gio gave me that travel, John, just in case we get into a real hairy situation at the broadcast. Nice. So, all right, so 
The wow. UFC obviously, Ian, made the decision to continue with this event in Brasilia. As I said off the top of the show, I'm on standby for Saturday night. Remains to be seen as to whether or not there is going to be an event or, or where it would be. Um, were you surprised with all the other primary high-profile sports organizations stepping aside that, uh, that Dana White and company decided to trudge onward? You know, there's two schools of thought with this. Obviously, some of the fighters, some that are on the outside, you know, looking in, trying to get in, see this as opportunity. You know, some of them, this is how they feed their families and stuff. Um, I think it's absolutely crazy, though, when all these major organizations around the world, I mean, Mexican soccer last night, they just started canceling their leagues. There's literally nobody left. And I guess the only ones that can move forward is combat sports because I think every state and all the countries are starting to limit, uh, I think, events or places to only 50 people. So, you know, the UFC is like, you know what, we can do this without 50 people. And, you know, at what point is there a line drawn, you know, for the risk of these fighters? I mean, in Brazil, if they really did not test for the coronavirus, I mean, there was blood, there was sweat. God only knows right. what else. I mean, you had a you have a piss bag. So, I mean, you know, at least you're good. Yeah, I'm you got a call. But. Yeah. Yeah, you're like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. You'll pee in a bottle. You don't give a shit. But uh, well, the thing is, you, know. you could be in the sa- you could be in the same room having a conversation with someone and get this. Of course, right? Well, that, right. That's that my point. So, like, <laughs> instead of being airborne and speaking, they're, they're I mean, grappling exchange. It's just yeah. crazy to me that this is still happening. The ri- the risk is not worth the reward in my in my eyes. But you know, it's um, it's a really wild situation. Every- everything's shutting down. It's like you know, this is this is fucking crazy. So we were talking about the Damian Maya fight against Gilbert Dorino Burns. In terms of Damian Maya, we said before we brought you on, you know, he beat Jorge Masvidal by split decision like two and a half years ago. Now if they fought, he's like plus 400. He has mentioned Diego Sanchez or Donald Cerrone as a possible next opponent. And uh, I wanted your thoughts on on the Maya side of this, the Burns side of this, and uh, what you think both parties will do from here after what we saw Saturday. I mean, I thought Damien still looked incredible in the jiu-jitsu exchanges. He, he led all those exchanges. You know, I give credit to Gilbert for staying calm and getting out of it. He didn't get out of it like it was nothing, though. You know, Damien still very much put him in some pressured situations. I mean, you know, Gilbert's one of the top guys out there in jiu-jitsu. Also, younger, doesn't have a neck, so it's harder to get, to get around, you know. But, uh, you know, that, that's a huge advantage. Kenny, that should be illegal. You should have to have at least this much of a <laughs> yeah. neck. You know, not just chin to traps to shoulder. That's That's... Really not fair, but his um, neck should be on a milk carton, dude. He it, it's non-existent. <laughs> we haven't found I it. If you've seen his neck, his, please report. <laughs> his brother, his brother's got a log neck, so I'm really surprised. Herbert's got both necks for his lack of neck. It's kind yeah. of interesting, but uh, <laughs> can he like that one? I got him to sit back in his chair. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think for Damien, he deserves that farewell fight to somebody that he could kind of have that advantage with. I think Diego would give him that, um, especially the way Diego fights. Now, I think Damian would probably submit him in the first round. Against Cowboy Cerrone, it would force him to exchange and strike, and I don't give him the advantage there at all. You know, and I think Gilbert, as we Kenny and I both said, this is, this is just his time. He's, he's putting it all together at the right time. That left hook was, I don't even know if he had that much power behind it. He just connected at the right oh. time, but they showed the film that him and Henry were really working on that early on, so that wasn't something that was not planned. But this dude just, man, I would have loved to see him versus Woodley. I guess Woodley didn't feel that he was ranked high enough to give him that opportunity, but man, I'm excited for Gilbert. This is great. I love fresh blood in the division. He's dangerous, yeah. man. Oh, Anywhere man. and everywhere. It's, I mean, the striking coming along, and we know he's fantastic on the ground, so I'm excited for him. Great win for him. I hate to see Damien get knocked like that, but you know, yeah. 
the danger. The sport, uh, the sport waits for no one. So and look what Burns is doing in these two divisions. Top twenty-five pound for pound for me, Gilbert Durino Burns, no question about it. Kemflo for Damian Maya. You called him a legend, obviously, and he is every bit that last week on the show. I mean, if anybody has earned the right to call his final shot, some thought maybe there'd be a rematch with Anderson Silva. I think the Diego Sanchez fight makes sense. I think a fight with Cerrone makes sense because that's the guy he's chasing on the wins list. Uh, What do you think the future holds for your guy, Damian Maia? You know, um, listen, I think that this is a guy who definitely is a future Hall of Famer. I think for his final fight, he should be able to call the shots to a certain extent. Um... I think a fight against Cerrone probably makes a little bit more sense than a Diego Sanchez. You know, I I think for his legacy, uh, I think a win over Cerrone would certainly do more and establish himself as an absolute Hall of Famer. If there's anyone who has any doubt about that at this point, I mean, he gets in either way. But uh, a win over someone like Cerrone, I think... um, it would be a great way to go out of this sport. And and Damian Maya certainly deserves the ability to kind of pick his opponent at this point. And and listen, for Cerrone, if Cerrone beats someone like Damian Maya, that is a big deal. So um I, I think uh, you know, Maya has uh, established himself as a big player in the welterweight division. This has changed Gilbert Burns' trajectory in a big way. It could put you know Cerrone back on the mat if that uh, map uh, if that's a fight that happens. So uh, I like the Cerrone Damian Maya fight best. Ian, we got a tweet here from ARD973 to at Anik Florian Pod on Charles Oliveira. He's a problem for anyone right now. Would really be interesting to see his crazy bottom game versus Khabib's top game on the ground. We went through the lightweight rankings. Uh, where do you stand on Charles Oliveira as bona fide lightweight contender, and who would you like to see him fight next? Man, you know what? Um, this was the perfect scenario for him. I, I want, first off, man, his striking looked good. You know, I thought that was the best we saw him. He pushed forward. He wasn't even looking to shoot in right away. That flying kick he threw, his jab looked good. The uppercut looked good. I didn't like the way, though, he was uh, he was taking a lot of big shots from Kevin Lee also. I think Lee was just so drained from that weight cut that the, that the power just wasn't normally there. Like, those shots actually was what I thought would put Oliveira away if that was the case. But, you know, there's one name that comes to mind. I don't think he's next for the title shot because I don't think beating Kevin Lee gets you there. Personally, I'd love to see him fight Justin Gaethje. You know, I know Gaethje's waiting around, but we can't play this waiting game. Guys got to fight, you know, and I think if you want to, again, this is two guys coming off of some great wins. How long does Gaethje want to stay shelved for? How long does Oliveira? Oliveira is not going to wait either. And to me, that presents a pretty wild matchup. We haven't seen Gaethje being put on his back against a submission guy. You know, against someone like Habib, here's the only problem. And Kenny brought this up in his prediction about for Kevin Lee, though. If you put Oliveira on his back, you could smother him. And Kevin Lee did do that at the end of round two. If Habib is on top of Oliveira, I don't think Oliveira gets that submission. I think if he's going to beat Habib, he's got to use the striking the way he did, and he's got to get on Habib's back. That's how he beats him. But he looked as good as ever. And, John, you made a good point. You know, the shine, I don't know if he got enough of it with everything going on. But what a tremendous win in the main event with all the shit that went on last week. That was great for him. I mean, to finish Kevin Lee like that, awesome. Campbell, I got a tweet here from at Cap Kobe. Mm. Got to admit, Oliver's a great all-around fighter, and he needs to get his due. I think the English factor's big, but he's got all the makings of a star. He is a star. I do think the English language component factors in here because we've seen a lot of fighters really embrace it and a lot of other fighters like Jose Aldo not embrace it at all, right? right. I could sit here and talk to you about Junior Dos Santos and Amanda Nunes and granted it and Zhang Wei Li. And for some of these fighters, it just happens in an 
in a, a more seamless, easier way, learning the language. I'm a fucking idiot. Like, if I had to learn Brazilian Portuguese right now, there's no fucking way. I can pronounce certain things and I can, I can with enunciations, but there's no way. And Kenny speaks a bunch of different languages, but for Charles Oliveira, right? If you were yeah. to criticize that, you would not be out of line 10 years into the UFC. A guy who has lived in the United States for a long time, there's no denying his star power would be in a different stratosphere if he spoke the native tongue. Without a doubt. And this is why you get fighters like Zhang Wei Li, who is really studying English and learning in a very quick uh, amount of time. It's extremely impressive. Junior DeSantos, I feel like, learned English in like six months. Uh, and I felt like it, it took Anderson Silva, you know, maybe like 10 years, 12 years as well. You know, it took him a little bit longer before you started hearing him uh, do a lot more uh, interviews in English. So, you know, anytime you're able to you know, uh, connect with the large fan base, which is going to be the English speakers, I think it's going to help you a tremendous amount, whether it gives you opportunity to do interviews, uh, to express yourself, um, you know, ask for the fights in English, you know, so they could promo it on, um, you know, on the advertisements for the big main events or whatever. So that would, would have certainly helped Charles Oliveira, uh, because his, his style has always been, um, very pleasing to the eye. He's exciting. He's yeah. always looking for the finish. Um, but I, I think this is one of those fights that's really going to get people's attention. So from here on out, I, I think, uh, he definitely is going to be more of a star. Yeah, I agree with all that, and I think Ian is right. It really was the perfect storm, and I'm not even talking about the coronavirus putting the rest of the sports world in dark mode, right? Yeah. Main event, your opponent taps and then keeps fighting, which gets guys like Jorge Masvidal to chime in, and it just made this thing mushroom a little bit. All right, we got a tweet here from Danners1998. Daniel O'Farrell wants to know, Ian Parker, gun to your head, does the big fight between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson happen next month yes <laughs> i i think that if data is going to push brazil and all these other fights um I, I definitely think that's the one that he is going to do i think listen whether it's a pay-per-view whether it's not it, it's going to be man hell or high water data white is moving forward with Habib versus tony if he needs to use my backyard he can at this point i don't care i want to see that fight also john i just don't want you to have to work it because i don't want you to be put at risk because i love you too much but uh you know it's listen the mindset here from the UFC is very mind-boggling. You know, not every other organization. I mean, I thought what Bellator did was interesting, paying guys. You know, the UFC's got money. Endeavor has money to pay guys, postpone things. You know, it's, you know, at, at what risk? He's, is he really waiting for the president of the country to just be like, yo, turn off your lights, shut down, we're good? That seems like what it's going to come down to. So forget even the gun to my head. No gun to my head. That fight's going to happen as of right now. Yeah, so. I... I'm optimistic, too. I think Ken Flo's idea has merits if you kind of push everything back and just sort of push the calendar al along. I know you start to get into some Ramadan territory at some point. But, hey, to your point, Ian Parker, I hate to be too prop-heavy today, but I'm sitting here with a bottle of Don <laughs> Julio Blanco and pineapple juice, and as soon as I get the text from my boss, Zach Candido, that I am not working Saturday night, we are drinking. I have donuts downstairs. I'm about to go nuts with this cabin fever. Three kids under nine, like... I'm going crazy. I don't know if, if drive it, driving flow to a tribal land in Alabama to call fights would be good for me right now. Um, right. But I'm, I got to get out of here. I gotta get, get an Uber. Here. Get an Uber. Get a fucking Uber to Alabama. Yeah, right? Uber. Like Uber. A thousand yeah. bucks, if not more. <laughs> so in terms of Tyron Woodley and the athletes, and you guys can both speak to this, right? 
if you're Tyron Woodley, Kempflow, what's going through your through your mind right now? Because you know he's put in a hell of a training camp financially, uh, and blood, sweat, and tears in Thailand and everything else. You know he didn't go to London, uh, and I have Leon Edwards's Instagram post that I'm going to share. But for these two headlining athletes in particular, what do you do if you're Tyron Woodley? I mean, are you trying to are you trying to salvage this thing? It appears as though Tyron, come hell or high water, really wants to fight on Saturday night, even if that's putting him himself in in some danger. Yeah, listen, I think if that's the case and he wants to fight, um, you know, I I, I wonder uh, who he exactly wants to fight. I, I guess he was turning down the Gilbert Burns fight, which I, I guess makes sense. You know, he's not, you know, Gilbert Burns isn't a top five guy at this point. Um, if this fight against Colby Covington is going to happen, I, I mean, that would be awesome. Sign me up. I, I think that's a fight uh, that makes sense for a lot of reasons. And uh, if Tyron Woodley's going to fight Colby Covington, you want to make sure that you have a camp and Colby Covington doesn't get a chance to have a full camp. Sure. I think the, a lot of that favors Tyron. So I, I think he's kind of waiting to see who the highest ranked fighter is that he could fight on short notice at this point. Um, and, you know, I, I think Tyron has always been one of those guys that he's not going to just take any fight. He wants to take a fight that makes sense for his right. career. Right. So. Here is what Leon Edwards had to say on Instagram, Leon underscore Edwards MMA. Last night I went to sleep still with some hope that UFC London could continue next week. I woke, woke up this morning to the news that it won't be. We've been working with the UFC on possible solutions to keep the fight alive. Unfortunately, with such a short window of time, nothing was viable. And this is the rub right here. Myself and my team are all fathers, husbands, sons, and brothers, and not all of us can leave our families right now. I wish we could have found a way for the fans. I truly do. I've been dreaming of headlining UFC show in my home country since I started this sport. This cancellation is truly heartbreaking. I have never worked harder and never been more prepared for the biggest moment in my career. But I know that the whole world is hurting right now, and this is bigger than me. This is bigger than sports. And... Therein lies the rub, right? Leon Edwards is richly deserving of a title fight already, and he had to settle for this main event against a former champion, but it was at home, in his backyard, in, and uh, I don't know, I just really feel for, for all the athletes, but for Leon Edwards in particular, who had to make a hard decision, um, and that decision rested with family and his teammates and his coaches, and a lot of them just not being able to leave the U.K., yeah, I, I, look, he made the right call. You know, he's the, the world right now is in a panic. This is not just anything normal that's going on right now. So for him to leave, you know, his country, his family, not knowing when he'd get back, I, I don't blame him. Listen, he'll still get a big fight. That's not going anywhere. You know, his rank in the division's not going anywhere. Live the fight another day. I think at the end of the day, long term, it was the right call because if he would have came here with all the travel that he wasn't expected to have to do with all the shit on his mind, with all the distractions that weren't originally planned. And then he loses, you know, and then he still can't go back, uh, catch 22. So I think between the, the two, I think he chose the right decision right now. Ken Flo, obviously we feel for the guys making 25 and 25, right. Who are hoping to make $50,000 on Saturday night. And, and they've invested maybe 15 or 20 into a training camp. But to Ian's point, right at the highest levels of this game, right, for Leon Edwards, he spent years since that Kamar Usman loss building to contention. you got to be very careful to just, you know, make a wayward decision in the wake of, of a, a major global crisis. You know, when you're trying to climb that mountain and you're almost there at the peak, uh, you have to be very careful where you step. And, and I think for Leon Edwards, he's making the right decision, both health-wise and just the circumstances around this. I, I think it's just, 
it's not worth it. It's not worth it because at the end of the day, yeah, we kind of remember the circumstances of what happened. But like we talk about all the time, you look back and you look at the record, that's going to be a big L. Yeah, man. And very few people will remember uh, the circumstances. They're just going to see that L. So, um, you know, you're trying to preserve uh, your win uh, consistency as much as possible. And, um, you know, it, it's just unfortunate all the way around that this fight isn't going to happen because uh, this was uh, awesome matchmaking here. And I know a lot of us have been trying to figure out the best way to financially help, whether it's helping fighters or cut men. You know, I've heard from a lot of different servers and waiters and bartenders that are UFC fans and uh, trying to think about the best way to financially get involved to really help people uh, and put food on people's plates, which I think needs to be a big focus. And uh I don't know. It's just a, a tough reality. I mean, I can tell you right now, if I go call the UFC fights this Saturday, my wife will have me quarantined from the rest of my family for at least a couple of weeks when I come home. And that's a decision I guess I'm, uh, I'm willing to make, uh, at least right now. But, uh, Certainly holding out hope that it's going to be Don Julio here in the not-too-distant future. Um, before we let you guys fly, any anything else for me on this Brasilia show? I mean, Renato Moicano obviously made a huge statement in what was his UFC lightweight debut. Nikita Krilov against Johnny Walker. I know it was a financially very successful night for Ian Parker, but Johnny Walker broke up a parlay or two. Brandon Moreno emerging as a flyweight contender. Amanda Hebos. I mean, if you're on that Kenny Florian fucking Twitter handle. Hebos. On the he bus, yeah, uh, ride the, the he bus, bus. Yes. dude. She is. Uh, she looked great. She looked fantastic. Uh, I think she's definitely someone to watch in that division, no doubt about it. Um, but Ian, uh, we have to rethink things here with Johnny Walker, man. Uh, I think not only is he a guy that we completely overestimate. I think everybody overestimate. He looked like crap. I mean, he looked like crap. He was truly exposed, I think, as a fighter who, you know, if he doesn't catch you straight away, he's in big trouble. He just did not show a lot of patience, didn't show a lot of skills all the way around, and that's why we have to be very careful when we get excited about people who finish fight in 10 seconds, 20 seconds, a minute, because you don't get to see the their full spectrum of skills. And I think if you're getting dominated, because he got dominated against Nikita Krylov, if you're getting dominated by someone like Krylov, uh, and no offense to Krylov because he's a tough out, he's a tough guy, he's moving forward, but to get dominated like that, I mean, people were looking at this guy like, he should be fighting John Jones next. No, he should not. He shouldn't be fighting anywhere near John Jones. He should be fighting John Jones, maybe his sparring partners. Maybe that's about it at this point, because uh, we got way too excited way too early about Johnny Walker, unfortunately. Well, I kind of blame you for that because you're friends with his coach and you should have said something. And, uh, with for us, okay? Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. you also picked Kevin Lee, so that's two of them, but I did not go that way with you. But, you know, listen, with Johnny Walker, look, with Johnny Walker, I thought this would be a bounce back just based on his athleticism, his size, and obviously with the new camp. And, you know, Kreloff really just was smart. He wasn't even going to try and brawl. He took him down. I mean, you you know, with Walker, I think right now he needs to take at least, I mean, he may be forced to take time off. I think he needs a good six months off. I think they need to give him someone in like, you know, from 12 to 17. And he needs to really rethink his strategy because to your point, what he has done so far, great. It got you here. But remember, we always talk about this. That hype train sometimes moves too fast. Like, 
Amanda Hebos, what they're doing for her is like the perfect competition, how they're bringing her up, you know, based on style, based on matchup. You know, you got to really look at things that way, because when you spoil guys like Johnny Walker could have been something really special and he still can. He's young. But when you do something, the confidence level, I mean, you know, it just too. this happens to too many people too early in their career and a lot don't bounce back. So, uh, yeah, we really we really uh, (laughs) he really fucked up one of my parlays real bad, but it's uh, but it's okay. You know, it's it's okay. I don't I don't get mad at fighters for that. It's my own fault, but uh, for believing you with uh, his his camp, so it's fine. No, I blame you. Definitely no. You, you know, <laughs> Kevin Lee, uh, Johnny Walker, and, and this is more concerning, I guess, for Kevin Lee, who's been around in the UFC for a little bit. But they have to go right back into skill building phase. They they should literally just focus. Don't even book a fight for the next six months to a year. Just work on getting better. Work on your weaknesses. Get on the ground. Get submitted a bunch of times. You know, work on your wrestling. You know, all those things I, I think are going to be so important to, to really salvage their career. Otherwise, they're going to be in big trouble, especially someone like Kevin Lee, who's a name now. And they're not going to give him any easy fights. He doesn't get any easy right. easy fights from here on out. Well, we mentioned, and Kenny, I don't know if you saw his comments that he has intimated that he might take a couple years off. Right. Uh, but he just, as we mentioned last week, six time in seven fights, he was in these UFC main events. And I think he bit off a little more than he could chew this time around. Maybe took the fight too quickly, didn't put in the right training camp, you know, was hoping maybe there would be more of a, a UFC PI nutritional presence down there that wasn't there. And you got to be, I mean, you got to be checking all the boxes when you're in a UFC main event. And again, another part of the Kevin Lee story is, is that he still hasn't come out the other side after losing his head coach, Robert Follis, you know, and Farah certainly is the guy now. And George St. Pierre has been a guy he has leaned on and Dewey Cooper has been a, a stabilizing force of sorts, but, uh, you know, there's still a lot for Kevin Lee to work on. He's still in his mid-20s. We'll see where he goes from here. Um, all right, boys. So on a scale of 1 to 10, we'll get you out of here on this. Not on my script. Um, are, are we sick of our wives and children right now? Like, Thankfully, I like my family, but this is going to get really hairy here in a few days. I would think um, just to maintain energy and patience as a, as a parent. My big issue for me is, you know, listen, I, I, I love it. I love being at home. Not, I'm, I'm home a lot anyway. But for me, if I can't train jujitsu, watch out. I'm not a nice person. Yeah. So, so that that's that's what I'm just ready to explode right now. Like I, I, I need to train jujitsu. I need to choke someone. Ian, come huh. over here. Let me let me choke you a little bit. Maybe a couple arm bars, a couple leg locks. Uh, that will kind of make me feel better. It would- Bro, it'd be it'd be an honor because the way you feel about <laughs> jujitsu is the way I feel about Taco Bell right now. I am very disturbed that before before the main card, I will not be able to get potato grill or a steak quesadilla or a Crunchwrap Supreme. It's very upsetting to me because that's usually my calming food when yeah. I'm either down or I'm up. So, oh, Kenny, as lo- if I could eat Taco Bell, listen, Kenny, when this whole thing blows over, you want to fly me out there? You can <laughs> fucking choke me out all you want. Dude, the first time I walked into Matt Serra's gym, was like, oh, this guy's a wrestler. He'll be really good. I'm like, oh, okay. Sarah's like, let's see what you got. I shoot in for a double. Guillotines me. I didn't even know what to do. I was sleeping five minutes into training <laughs> jujitsu. So hopefully you're a little bit more hospitable than, uh, than Matt. So I'll, I'll, know, give, you burrito. Good. I'll give you a burrito. I'll hook you up with a burrito. Oh, that's so good. Extra sour cream. Thank you. Yeah, Matt Sarah, suffocating <laughs> force. Thankfully, it wasn't him ripping a Kimura. He'll fucking break your arm. He don't care. You know, fuck. Oh, he don't care. He don't, he, he don't, He's a beast. Oh, dude. no, he don't care. So, Kemflo, there's got to be somebody that you've had contact with over the last week um, that you feel like if 
you're exposed and you have the coronavirus, then he does too. I mean, you literally, you have nobody that can come over to the house and get a roll in with. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, I'm sure I could call somebody to kind of come and help me out. Well, I, go for I a have run. No you run. I have no I have no mat space over here. I, I barely have space over here, let alone mats. So uh, great out go in the back go in the outdoor. backyard, you you privileged pussy. Get in the backyard. Go <laughs> on the grass. No Listen. That's the problem. I'm in I'm in LA for, for Pete's sake. You don't have a backyard unless you're a millionaire. For everybody watching for everybody watching the show, I will I will tweet Kenny's number out, shoot him a text if you're in the area <laughs> and you want to get in a roll. Kenny's available. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Ken Flo famously has run the streets of Dover, Massachusetts, doing like six minute miles. So I get an inkling that to be a better husband and father, he's probably going to go run some miles at you some point. See, for me, I mean, I'm making my kids run. One of my daughters I've discovered is the most natural runner I've ever seen. The other one fucking hates my guts. And you know what? Another two miles tomorrow morning. And you know what she can yeah, do? Yeah, I'm fucking go. Dude, use that use that Snapchat filter. My daughter's still in the house trying to figure out where the cat is on her head. She's is right behind. She's right behind you right now. I could see she her. Is. is she right? Is she right behind me? Oh yeah, she's so mad that I'm out here still. Yeah. All right, Jordan, it's we're okay. gonna let she your father go. Ian, great stuff, buddy. Go. We will talk to you, uh, God willing, next Monday. Stay safe. All right. See you, you too, John. Later, guys. All right, well, if you haven't done so already, we hope you will check out the show in video form. As many of you know, we launched a YouTube channel a few months ago. Please watch. Hit that subscribe button if you'd be so kind. really helps us. We also have a new video producer coming on uh, next week. We're trying to take this thing to the next level uh, as we come up on our five-year anniversary next month, which is just crazy. Woo is right. In the meantime, everybody out there, please, uh, we're all in this together, so... That's the thesis statement for me. We're all in this together. Stay safe and healthy. As far as Mayrocky BJJ is concerned, you're closed indefinitely, and, and you'll update people on social media, yes? I will indeed. Thank you, yes. All right, thanks to TJ DeSantis at the controls, Mike Heck on the video side, Ray Longo, Ian Parker for Ken Flom, John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for watching. Until next week, enjoy that family time. If you are driving, don't text and drive. is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.